0: Yo!
1: Welcome back. This is Relevant Tones. My name is Austin Williams, and I'll be your host today. Last week, we departed on a series about the Lakota Music Project that the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra has been creating and supporting for over the past 13 years. I am joined by music director Delta David Geyer and special soloist and Native Lakota tribe member Brian Akipa. The last episode had a large emphasis on the beginnings of the relationship between the orchestra and the Native Lakota tribe. Brian and David shared anecdotes and fascinating stories about the humble beginnings of a now-powerful relationship. Today, we will shift gears to speak mostly about the use of traditional Lakota vocal techniques and incorporating it in the context of the symphony orchestra. The excerpt we heard at the top of the episode was from Victory Songs by Jared Mpachachaha Tate. Jared Tate is a native Chickasaw composer and pianist who approached David Geyer about doing a massive work for orchestra and voice, which utilizes both traditional native and Western classical vocal techniques. Vocalist Robert Moore was a baritone that was the right person for the job. Robert Moore was a Native American with a background in classical singing. Being knowledgeable in both worlds of music allowed for a unique collaboration to begin. Without spoiling too much more, let's continue our conversation with Brian Akipa and David Geyer. Such a is just a big force of power behind it, though. That's that. That's kind of what I was kind of. Well, eventually Lakota gave.
2: singing is is a whole other technique. Actually, there was yeah. a man who was who was uh, a tribal elder in Rosebud Reservation who was a singer, mm-hmm. and he was a trained classical singer, but also a Lakota singer. And he oh wow uh, He's since passed away. His name was Robert Moore. Mm. And he went, he toured with us at the beginning and he would actually demonstrate the difference between, between a classically trained voice and a Lakota trained voice Sure. and the, the technique and how he actually came to the Lakota, even though he grew up on the res, mm-hmm. he came to Lakota singing after he'd studied classical singing.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, and so he, he, he could very well describe, you know, the, the techniques involved and, and he would, you know, he would sing um, he would sing as a classically trained singer as part of the program. And then he would sit down at the drum Sure. and he would sing with the drummers. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's a, it's a visceral quality, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it just comes, it comes from, you know, straight from the gut figuratively and literally, yeah. you know, it's yeah. really, really something to hear. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, I, I think you mentioned it a little earlier but like i'm trying to picture this music in a concert hall but it's it's very just huge <laughs> and I, yeah. I could see it being more of a um just an open venue um well
2: that's the way it was designed we played we probably played 50 different iterations of this program sure over the last 12 13 years uh, on six of the nine reservations we've been all the cities we played at a crazy horse uh monuments several times we took it to dc to play at the smithsonian wow Museum of the american indians so we've, we've been all over the place with it but it was always designed not to be in the concert hall to be have to give maximum access yeah to the public so gymnasium floors on reservations community centers yeah uh free of charge yeah to the public um so that's been one of the i guess it's a challenge yeah you know to uh to do it this way because because of the funding you know it's always you know if you get a grant you do it if you don't get a grant you don't do it that's just kind of the way this thing is built because you know the intention from you know both both the symphony side and our lakota and dakota partner side Mm -hmm. like we just wanted to keep the mission forefront of what we were trying to accomplish rather than trying to sell tickets. or, or
1: Sure. Sure. It. It's cool to hear that you're doing that because, and it blows my mind when like, you know, the Chicago Symphony or some other major organization is like, how do we engage with or get more people to come in or whatever? And I think the answer is just screaming at them. It's like, you need to take the orchestra out of the, you know, the concert hall or just like you need to, adjust the venue to make it more accessible for people because that's just like, to me, that just seems like such an obvious answer, but, uh, maybe not to other individuals. So, yeah.
2: Well, it's, it's, it goes against our model, you know, we, yeah. we, such, we're so entrenched. I mean, I worked for the New York Philharmonic for 15 years. Sure. So those big, those big entities are hard to steer.
1: Of course. Of course.
2: Yeah. Hard to, hard to change. I would, I would say that, um, equally as important is that when you build a project like this is that you build it together,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, like, I, I mean, I talk with, with other orchestras about this with regularity, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's the secret in your sauce kind of thing, you know, and, and it's, it's really, there's no secret. Yeah, <laughs> It's about relationship. It's about, you know, sitting down with, and and discussing what is most valuable yeah what's the best thing that we can do together and you've got to take you know all those trigger kinds of things out of it like how can we serve you or these kinds of you know the you know you know um, community engagement or outreach and these kinds of things that you, you need to dissolve that kind of of discussion and just sit down and talk about, okay, so what can we do together, Yeah, which would be truly valuable Yeah, on both sides of the equation, uh, the racial equation. Right. And, and, um, and can we come up with something together that where we both feel that we're not just represented, but contributing meaningfully mm-hmm. to the discussion on both sides of that. Sure. And, uh, and it's it's tough, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it takes time and it, it takes, you know, a, a, a lot of uh, not just effort, but but goodwill on everybody's part. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, you just got you got to be willing to stay in the game. And I learned early, early on in building this thing. Uh, By talking to people who had tried to do similar things in New Mexico and Arizona, like, go in for the long haul. Yeah. Go in to build a relationship. Don't ever do a one-off concert. Yeah. Particularly not in your concert hall. Right. Because that will actually do more damage than good.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, like, you know, build the relationship, value the relationship, nurture the relationship, be friends.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Say on that, or takes on it.
4: What was the question again?
1: (laughs) Just um, taking the orchestra out of the concert hall, and David said that that was kind of just the um the point or the necessity of the the project um, in order to make it you know work.
4: Yeah, that's important because to let more people hear the music and so a lot of students might not have ever had a chance to hear that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially on the reservation they don't have concerts like that here sure yeah but when the south dakota symphony came then they did Yeah. so there's a lot of students and even the composition academy when that first year that they came there was almost no students, <clears throat> and that's how I got involved because it was mostly for students. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't any, and then and so they said, "Well, maybe the community college," and it's still there wasn't any. Then they then they finally worked their way up to saying, "Old oh, guys." So then I said, "Oh, that's me." I, I'll try it. <laughs> so <clears throat> so that's the way the the music is. Sure. Is here, and so by getting it out there, that's and then plus it's so much more uh, intimate too. When because they they can be around you or be you're your right in with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, all that's important. Yeah especially as students and kids. And now when the Composition Academy comes, it's, it's filled with That's, students.
1: I was going to ask, so is it is it grown? Is it still, is it is it going now? Yeah, I think so. That's awesome. That's so good to hear, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're actually and, featuring uh, featuring one of the students, um, Toby Shaw, Brian. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to play a piece by them, on uh on on saturday night this saturday night uh on our full orchestra concert
1: oh that's awesome
2: so, yeah it's and and toby will be here uh so it, it's you know this is we're we're trying to invest in these kids yeah yeah you know, they're they're now five years of this academy uh, program and you know these 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 kids are using it to apply for college That's great. The experience is really great.
1: That is, that's so good to hear, actually. (laughs) Awesome.
0: so oh.
2: I should mention just a bit about Jared Tate's victory song. Sure. So Jared Mpachachaha Tate is a Chickasaw composer. Mm-hmm. And um, we commissioned Jared, I think in 2013. And when Jared and I actually met in New York City to talk about it first, and he was all excited about it. He said, I want to, I want to compose a, a song cycle for baritone and orchestra in the Lakota language. Wow. Uh, he said, that, you know, I want it to be like a dust lead, <laughs> kind of, okay. you know, yeah. kind of kind of song cycle. And I'm Like, wow, okay. So tell me more. And we spent, we just dug in and talked about it for a couple hours. And, um, and we were very much in touch with each other. And he had it in mind to write for this, this baritone that I was mentioning before Robert Moore mm. and I didn't know that he knew Robert. Um, he, uh, you know, that was like, I said, did you know that Robert has been a touring with Lagoda music? Project? He said, no, I had no idea. That's funny. I just love his voice. Mm. Like, okay. <laughs> um, so, but unfortunately Robert passed away.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. You mentioned and, that. Yeah. Uh,
2: and it's, and so here you have Jared who's, you know, fully embodying his, his Chickasaw identity mm-hmm. um, and composing music out of it. But composing, but he's he went to Cleveland Institute. He's yeah. fully trained classical musician. And he wants to really represent his culture in what is the classical world. So this is a little different from, you know, incorporating a drumming group. Right. Or Brian Akiba. Right. So um, it, it was it and it was it seemed like pretty smooth sailing as long as we were using Robert Moore as the soloist. Sure. And uh, but Jared wrote a big honking piece. Yeah. It's, Robert, <laughs> right, it's, <laughs> it's substantial. It's a big thing. And Robert passed away. Yeah. And wh- who else is going to sing this piece?
3: Mm hmm.
2: You know, um, so that was the question. And we looked, you know, because ideally you would want at, at least, you know, an American Indian yeah. baritone. Yeah. To yeah. Sing it. And we could not find somebody wow. who had the pipes yeah. to deliver this piece. So I brought in, you know, I'd worked with Stephen Bryant for a long time. And Stephen's a wonderful uh, bass baritone, but he'd done a lot of contemporary music mm-hmm. working with Tan Dunn.
3: Mm, you know, including
2: mm-hmm. throat singing and mm-hmm. all of this pretend dance operas. Mm-hmm. So, like, I knew that he had the facility. If anybody can learn learn Lakota mm-hmm. and, and deliver this piece, it's Stephen. Mm-hmm. So you do have a Native American composer. Yeah, but you don't. But everybody else on the stage is a white person. Sure. And this this grinds a little bit. Yeah. Against Lakota Music Project. Yeah. Um, of course, in our classical music world. The main thing is the composer
1: yeah
2: right it's not really about the performer right you know, it's, about, it's it's the beethoven symphony is being played it's all about beethoven right it doesn't matter if it's the berlin philharmonic or a youth orchestra in new mexico it's beethoven mm-hmm. so in that sense it's jared tate you know and it's native american and it's lakota yeah so it's, uh, but you understand what I mean. It's, well, and
1: little... it's you know so culturally, like Western classical music, you're right. You put the composer on a pedestal, but I, I feel like uh, other music cultures, like ubiquitously around the world, it's always more about the performers, you know. Um, and that's that. There, you're right. There's like a little bit of like tension there, where it's like um, some cultures might see this, you know, what would otherwise be uh, a song cycle written in a in a Lakota language and you know it's being performed by you know a crowd of white people is it's a little odd a little mm-hmm. strange um, Yeah,
2: yeah. It, it veers towards the cultural appropriation side of things
1: but the fact that it was written for this very specific you know vocalist who has unfortunately since passed away like I, you know it's it's interesting i mean i think it's important that the piece was performed and that there's you know it was, you know, presented to the world and it's, and it's a great piece. Um, like you said, it's huge. Um, when I saw it on the, (laughs) it's like 33 minutes of just, you know, yeah, like you said, it's a huge thing. So, um, sounds really cool. Um, and it's a very interesting story behind it too, actually.
2: I should I should point out, though, you know, on this front, because um, like the parallel between Lakota traditional song, Dakota traditional song and in our classical, you know, composer world. Yeah. Like when you get it, when you're singing traditional songs, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. But my understanding is if you're singing a traditional song, like it's also more about the tradition. Mm. Than it is about the person who's singing it. Oh yeah, that's and, true. And, you, and most of the time, you know the you know where it came from, like mm-hmm. the lineage of the song. You can go back to you know, to to the person who first created the song. Am I am I am I on on point? Yeah,
4: on? yeah. That's that's true. What you said. Yeah. yeah.
2: So it's not so different from Beethoven. That's in that true. Song. Yeah, for sure. You know, honoring, and so you know, and and this this Lakota music project has become something even bigger with us called Bridging Cultures, mm-hmm. where we where we try to to partner with different ethnic communities that live here,
3: mm-hmm.
2: sort of South Asian or Chinese or whatever you know, and sure. and we do it you know regularly, sure, with this kind of thing, and but we the connection that we make is with traditional music. Yeah. Yeah. Not popular music. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it goes back to that, the the roots, right. Of, of, uh, of who we are as a people what Mm -hmm. we share in common.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a fascinating story, um, about victory songs. Um, thank you for sharing it. No, seriously. That's awesome. Um, excellent. Um, I'll open it in the floor again. Brian, is there anything you want to say before we sign off here? Is there any um, anecdotes or stories that we didn't quite get to?
4: Maybe <clears throat> I talked a little bit about it earlier, mm-hmm. about Kevin Locke. Mm. And one thing that we did for the traditional red cedar flute is it's now South Dakota's official indigenous instrument. Oh, mm. and that's and. Cool. We started, we decided we're going to start working on it as making a national instrument. And sure. it's quite a bit of a, a bigger process. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> and it's going to take some money. And we mm-hmm. have to maybe even have, have to hire a lawyer to, to mm-hmm. draft a lot of the the wordings. And,
3: mm-hmm. But mm-hmm.
4: <clears throat> when he passed away, then I, I didn't know if, what was going to happen with that. So we're trying to get that back together. And that's how I called out to Dr. Kathleen Joyce Krenhal, the director of the World Flute Society, and she's interested in that. And my daughter is also a lawyer, and she went through the same process working under Senator Tim Johnson, making the bison the national mammal. Is okay. it animal or animal? And <clears throat> so she knows the entire process. So we might still, hopefully we can still keep that going. Yeah. And making the national, and we found out, I thought I Googled it and it lists the banjo as the national instrument. <laughs> and actually, I guess the banjo has its roots in Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it turns out, that's the de facto instrument. It was never completely certified by Congress, uh. and so we still have a chance to have the, the indigenous traditional red cedar flute as a national, as the national instrument.
2: I'll vote for that. So-
1: Yeah, no, that's really cool actually. I figured it would be like you said, I when you were talking about it, I banjo did come to mind, but then I was like, Yeah, it's you know, it does have its roots in Africa, but then I was also thinking about some like brass instrument or something. But I think that this is a lot more meaningful to a larger population, Mm
3: -hmm. yeah, yeah.
2: Now, Brian's got some teeth in there in this too because he's he's an NEA national treasure, so when he When he speaks, he can speak with an authority on this topic that uh, (laughs) that most others can't.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. This has been amazing. Um, Thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk with me about this project. Um, I really only hope for the best and that it just continues to grow and, you know, passes down to other generations.
4: Thank you. Yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me.
1: So this is the conclusion of our two-part series and interviews with Delta, David Geyer, and Brian Akipa. I hope you enjoyed learning about the powerful collaborations that the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra is creating with the Native Lakota tribe. I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, um, but all the musical excerpts you've been hearing are actually from Jared Tate's Victory Songs, Altogether, it's this massive 30-ish minute work um, for voice and orchestra. If you wish to listen to it uninterrupted, which I highly recommend, um, you can find it on his SoundCloud or his website and it should be available there. Uh, and Personally and a little selfishly, I had just such a great time learning about this relationship that has been created between the um, Lakota tribe and the South Dakota South Dakota Symphony Orchestra, um, and I truly hope only that it grows and fosters creativity and community for future generations to come. As always, Relevant Tones is a product of Access Contemporary Music. Please check out more at acmusic.org, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. <laughs>